Welcome to Reflections from WT, the heart and soul of the Texas Panhandle. This is episode number 23. My name is Randy Ray, and sitting to my immediate left is the 11th president of West Texas A&M University, Dr. Walter Windler. Morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing well. I, I, I always start out talking about our podcast, and you named it, uh, The Heart and Soul of the Texas Panhandle. Why did you do that? That's a good question. I thought the curveball was supposed to come at the end. <laughs> oh, I've got a better curveball later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I uh, Well, I really do feel like, um, you know, with all this, this constellation of small communities up here in the Panhandle and the twin, I consider it the twin stars of uh, Amarillo and Canyon. Uh, you know, obviously Amarillo's a little brighter, it's bigger and so on and so forth. But it's, uh, it's like a, a little universe of its own in terms of communities. And we are in the center of it from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, I don't know why I, I thought that up, but I just, you know, I thought yeah, we're kind I like of the it I think I think it's especially true of like teachers. Think about how many teachers we have spread out over the panhandle and uh, the impact this university's had on the panhandle. So I, I, I like it. I like, I like it too. Let me just say about teachers while you're on it, and I've, I've used this uh, data before, but approximately 73% of the teachers and school administrators in the top 26 counties of Texas in the panhandle uh, have uh, at least one degree or certificate from West Texas A&M University, which is remarkable. Yeah, you know, the fact of the matter is, I've told people, uh, if we complain about the high school graduates that we get at WT, uh, there may be one finger pointing at the school, but there's three pointing back <laughs> yeah. at us because we educated all the teachers and administrators. That's very true. Yeah. And we we can't we have to own that when it's when it's um, strong. We have to say we can uh, let our chest swell out a little bit and say we're proud that we've done a good job and we feel uh, satisfied with that. We're it's not that we're comfortable. We'll keep working, but we're we're pleased with it. On the other hand, if things aren't going well, we can say what can we do to help improve this because these are our people. Yeah, you know one thing that I have said about WT, one thing that I think WT can do better, and that's brag on itself. I, I, th- I think that's true. And I, one of the reasons, um, and I, we, I, you and I um, spend a lot of time in communication trying to get the word out through things like this podcast. Uh, you know, we do these PSAs, we do these uh, weekly columns that I write. So we're trying to get the word out. And I think it's working. I mean, if you look at the Last Sunday, the Amarillo Globe News had three op-eds in it. Well, it had four or five, but three of them were from WT people. Mm. Uh, and the front page story was by John Mark Ballou. Uh, He's on our young, staff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, I think we're doing a better job of getting the word out. And quite frankly, I say this with great humility, but I think people are proud of uh, WT. It's not, it's not perfect. And we're not a big Division I school. But we work hard to serve the panhandle. And that's, again, why I call it the heart and soul of the panhandle. <laughs> there you go. Well, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is um, I want to talk to you about your new book that you just published. I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, we Especially I, page 36, yeah. I think it is. <laughs> I didn't even say that. With you and Johnny's story and the, <laughs> your picture there looking like you're running the world from Pampa, Texas. Yeah. It's, um, it is a... Uh, you know, what I try to do with that is... I'm, you know, I made these visits, 132 high schools, um, split evenly, uh, 66 in the Panhandle and 66 on the South Plains. And in every one of those schools, I came back with some things that I thought students might be looking for and things that administrators were looking for in, in schools. And what I try to do was compress those into um, 
a resource that students and families could use when they're considering college. And that's the title of the ebook, and it's available on online uh, at, at, on the WTAMU.edu. Free of charge? Free of charge. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to say there's any great wisdom in it or anything else, but these are, in a sense, uh, tales from the trails. You know, these are, <laughs> yeah. these are things I learned when I was out there talking to people about what they valued in universities. Uh, and I, you know, I thought it was uh, very useful to me. And I, if I had a child that was uh, a junior in high school right now, I'd say, you know, you ought to look at this and, and think about it because it's not the typical stuff. We don't talk in the book about uh, GPAs, class ranks, who's the valedictorian. Those things are all important, what your test scores are. But everybody knows those things. This is the, these are the things that, in some ways, put the flesh on the bones of a university. Uh, the book talks about things like, is there a sense of a home? Do people care for the place? Do they take care of the place? Because if there's not a sense of home, if there's not a sense of caring for the place, and a whole number of other issues, determination, like we talked about in uh, Pampa. Pampa's a town of spit. People work hard there. Uh, they're... Um, they're uh, trustworthy. They're just, you know, and no town is perfect, but there are a lot of people from Pampa that have made a big difference. And I'm not just saying this because you're sitting here, but uh, the work that you and Johnny have done here at WT is a good example. So I, I you know, that. I think that is, uh, I, I want to encourage people to look for those kind of things, not just the sticker price, not how good the yeah. students are. Those are all important things. But if it stops there, you know, you might as well be buying a, an electric, uh, egg beater or something. I mean, yeah, it's, you so, know, something different. So your book, not necessarily driving people to WT, it's driving people to their best fit, right? That, that is exactly right. And I say that over and over again, and I apologize because I, right now I'm at WT and I see so many positive things that I'll use it as an example sometimes, but I would, you know, I would talk to a group of students some days and hardly mention WT other than that I'm the president of WT when I'd introduce mm -hmm. myself. But after that, it was uh, encouraging students to develop a plan for one, for themselves, and that's what this, uh, this little ebook is supposed to do, is help students find a plan for themselves uh, that will help them select a college where there's a good fit, if that's what they want. I also tell people, college is not the answer for everyone. You can, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, you can be a productive citizen and uh, go out and pick up a trade. You can work in a family business. You can join the military. Yeah, we uh, need people like that, too. Yes, and it's a full range of things. And you have to go where you're comfortable and things that you... The worst thing in the world is to have a college degree that you were never really invested in, and then you get out and you can't find a job with mm -hmm, it. It doesn't help mm -hmm. you in the workplace. And I know people don't like to hear that kind of practically-minded talk from a university president, but the problem is, and it's a simple problem, it's the truth. It's the truth. And yeah. uh, I think helping people realize that ahead of time, I mean, you know, would you rather be a happy carpenter, a satisfied carpenter, a joyful carpenter, or a dissatisfied CEO? Yeah. You know, yeah. push comes to shove. Well, Dr. Windler, one thing that I really appreciate that you do is giving words of advice like your book and like your PSAs, not necessarily about WT, but just about helping people. So I appreciate that. Well, thanks. I, I consider it an honor and a privilege to serve the people of uh, this region of West Texas through WT. It's a great place to be. Well, we only have a couple of minutes before the break, but I wanted to real quickly touch on summertime. What's the campus look like right now? Right now it's quiet, but it was quiet last year. Mm -hmm. um, we're fixing. Uh, you can tell I've been in the panhandle a while. <laughs> we're fixing to do <laughs> yeah, something. We're fixing to uh, start summer school mm -hmm. here, the first session. Uh, and last year, when we were fixing to start summer school, 85% of the students were online. 
And it, and this year it may be a hundred percent, but that incrementally, that's an increment. That's a small increment to go from 85 to a hundred. Mm-hmm. So the first session we plan to offer nearly everything online. There'll be some exceptions. Um, yeah, then, I was I was teaching. I was going to teach you face to face, and uh, we transitioned it over to online. So, um, and you I, got thrust into the you got thrust into yeah, the fire good. last semester. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, all of a sudden you were teaching online. Yeah, uh, and it'll be better this time. It gets better every time. It's one of the things I like about my job. I can I have times to reboot, as I call it. Yeah. So try it again differently. Well, I'm glad we brought up the online thing because we're going to take a break, and when we come back from our break, we're going to talk to an expert in online teaching. We'll be back in 30 seconds. West Texas A&M University is proud to call the Texas Panhandle home. And providing the top 26 counties with opportunity and qualified graduates is an important WT mission. From their first experience on campus to graduation day, the WT experience is a challenging series of steps that will embolden our students to reach their full potential. And then, in turn, go out into the Panhandle and make a difference. Quality education with a big local return is one thing you can find here at WT. For more information about West Texas A&M University, visit our website at WTAMU.edu. Welcome back to Reflections from WT, the Heart and Soul of the Texas Panhandle, episode number 23. Uh, on this segment of the podcast, Dr. Windler and I are talking to Laura Hossel, and she is the technical service manager, IT manager, wears uh, probably a half dozen different hats you know, over in our IT division, and she's here to talk to us today about online teaching. Welcome. Thank you. Good yeah. morning. As, as you and I were walking into the building, this morning, I asked you, had things been slower? And you said, oh, no, they've been a lot faster. Absolutely. And that's because of all the craziness in the world and the craziness with our university. And a lot of people have had, had to go to online. And that's increased your workload. Yes, so it has. So tell us about that. Well, um, before, spring break in the, um, before spring break happened, we were starting to hear about COVID-19 and what it was um, doing in the U.S. and where things were headed. And so... We became concerned that it might be possible for faculty to have to transition their classes from face-to-face to online. So we started offering workshops right before spring break on how to transition your class from a face-to-face environment to an online environment, just in case that were to happen while spring break was going on. And ultimately it did. All of our spring classes were moved from face-to-face, who were not already online, into the online environment. And I think that, we that's ready. huge. Let's all think about what you just said. All of our classes at the university, all of our classes were moved to online. That's a huge thing to do in a short amount of time. It is. And it helps that we had 380 classes fully online already in wow. the spring semester. Yeah. So we did have a lot of faculty who were already teaching online, who were experienced with teaching online. So the transition for them was relatively simple because they were familiar with that environment. But we actually had um, 115 faculty attend those workshops on how to transition your classes from face-to-face to online. So there were quite a few faculty who either had never taught online or had not taught online in a really long time and needed to know what was it they needed to do to get ready for teaching remotely. I'm going to ask you this. What do you think, what's the big advantage of online? What's the best thing about online classes? I think in today's world, it gives students the opportunity to be um, flexible with their education, to be able to work jobs to support their families or to support themselves, but still have the opportunity to to get a a college degree and a college education, where in the past you had to um, physically come to class all the time. So it was very difficult to hold down a Mm full-time job 
and attend class. So this to me opens the door for education to so many more people. Now, Dr. Wendler, I know that you're a big advocate of online teaching. Why? Well, Laura, I think, uh, hit the uh, number one point right now is accessibility. And there are so many, especially at this time of um, uh, economic uh, crisis. You know, we've got a health crisis, but there's a, with the unemployment levels just shot up like a rocket. We've got an economic crisis, and a lot of people will be rethinking their careers and how they do things. And many may want to go back to school and study. And this opens the door for many more people. Um, that's number one. But to add another uh, perspective on top of what Laura has suggested, I like the fact that a student can go back over a lecture three or four times. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Uh, I, I, I struggle with some classes. Uh, Calc 2 was a, and I took a linear algebra class, and they, I had to work at those things. And the nice part is you could listen. Now you can listen to the same lecture over and over again, and uh, you can stop it. You can, it's just, it's a, it, it puts learning much more, I think, in the hands of students. And I'll just say this one other thing. There's a myth that it's cheaper and it's easier to teach online, and those are both wrong. It's not cheaper and it is not I easier. I totally agree with that. I learned the hard way. Yeah, you not that's too exactly. long ago. Yeah, yeah. That's I would exactly. actually say it's twice as much work for faculty yeah. to develop an online class than yeah. to teach a face-to-face class. I think so because you have to plan everything out. Yeah, I think, and I, I agree with you. Flexibility is so important. I am always surprised at the number of students in my class that are working. It's, it's kind of different these days, and maybe that's just a WT thing. I don't know. But we have a lot of students that are out, and they have full-time jobs. So the nice thing about online is they can go to class when it's best for them. Right. And, and to um, expand on what Dr. Windler just said about being able to watch the content over and over, there is research to support that to retain 80% of knowledge of something, of some content, that you have to revisit it between 8 to 10 times. So I see this especially in the STEM fields, because in a 50-minute class, you, your professor may work three or four problems, and then you have to go out and remember how to do that to work your assignments that you have to turn in and learn how to, how to work those problems, where in video, you can watch it over and over again until you get it. And I think it's, it's even more important in the STEM fields. Well, I would agree with you. You know, and I just read a piece. They're going to say, what does this guy do for uh, enjoyment? I just read a piece yesterday on uh, STEM education in rural India. You know, I'm very committed to education in rural settings. 20% of the population in the U.S. is rural. 63% of the population in India is rural. There's mm-hmm. small communities all over the place. There's some big towns, too, obviously, big cities, but there's a lot of rural. And Almost 70% of the kids that come out of those rural communities want to study in a STEM field. They see that as a way out of the rural, you know, um, locations and as good career opportunity and so on and so forth. So I think, I think Laura's right, especially in some of those fields. It uh, provides opportunity that otherwise wouldn't exist. Laura, do you think that WT is a pioneer in some ways with online? Absolutely. Now, I came to WT in 2002, but in 1997, WT launched WT Online, which was a homegrown learning management system. And so they were pioneers. They were on the very starting line of online education. And that system served WT for almost nine years, Mm. um, offering online classes when it really wasn't mainstream yet. So it's strange that a small college in the Texas panhandle would be a pioneer in online education, but they definitely were. They had some foresight 
and they jumped in with both feet and um, started in 1997, if you can believe that. We've come a long way. We have. We, have. we really have. Do, do, you, do you both think that online education comes easier to the new generation, to the current generation? They're digital natives, uh, and uh, are they more acclimated to learn in that way or not? I'll go ahead and take my stab, and then Laura, I, I will say uh, yes, and it's because most of this generation, most, and then the next generation, 100%, will have never used a personal computer. They'll be on devices and pads their whole mm-hmm. lives. Um, and I, I remember even now, probably seven years ago, in talking to an online class in the Chicago suburbs, I was at SIU and we went up and I, I, they asked me to talk to an online class and I talked to an online class and one guy was on Interstate 80 doing 70 miles an hour doing the online <laughs> class on his cell phone. And I, you know, I'm not sure that's a good idea, but yeah. thankfully my, my discussion wasn't that riveting. It didn't cause him to lose his attention <laughs> to his driving. But I, it's the, the, again, it's accessibility and the demand for accessibility that young people have now, you tell them 10 minutes, that's too long. They want it yeah. right now. Yeah. And by the way, I, I'm not being critical of young people because I'm about that way with most of what I want. I've just got used to waiting. You know, they're not used to waiting. No, they're not. Do you agree with that? I do. I feel like information is at their fingertips. And, you know, we have a question. We wonder about something. Oh, well, let's just Google it. And so, yes, I feel like that the, this generation responds well to that, taking ownership of that learning and diving in and um, having that information readily available to them. Yeah, yeah and my, my theory is that the face-to-face interaction, you know, the more personal and, um, I'll call it, you know, high-touch, high-content interaction that you get in actually having a conversation, live conversation, there's less of it, but it doesn't diminish its importance. It's still exceedingly important to individuals to have some of it. And maybe instead of being 100%, it might go down to even 10%. But the cognitive delivery, the other 90%, that's very important. But that 10% really does uh, seal the deal. That's where it happens in my mind. Well, Laura, every one of our episodes, I throw Dr. Windler and our guest a curveball. You ready? Uh, this one, this one I, again, I, I think I'm getting pretty lax with my curveballs lately. Well, I don't know. I, find, I don't find them all that easy. Every once in a while, you'll throw me a, surf, a softball that's also a curveball. Here, here's, here's the curveball today. I, I, I want you, have either one of you ever had a nickname? Yeah, I have. Silence. Yeah. I got them a little bit. <laughs> no nickname? Oh, yeah, I've had a nickname. Let's, I've had some too, but none that I can say in front of Laura here. So. <laughs> uh, what, what, your, what was your nickname, Dr. Windler? I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm foolish enough to say it. It's not bad or anything. It was uh, the bear. Where Was this in college or high, high school? school? Where? High school in New York. You were the bear. I was the bear. Big burly bear. Something like that. Yeah. Was that when you were playing hockey? Yeah. 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 And a few other things, but I, uh, yeah, that was my nickname. It's yeah. not, it's... Uh, my son, who had a thick crop of hair, and it used to kind of stick out in the front, and he was, and he did not like it. He would, they called him Fred Flintstone. It kind of his oh, hair no. looked like Fred yeah. Flintstone. Yeah. But anyway, I just, uh, but anyway, it is what it is. The bear. Yes, yeah, the bear. bear. I'm going to be interested to hear what Laura's was. Yeah. Um, I don't know what this says about me, but I actually have never had a nickname. Really? I know. That I makes give, me kind of sad. Can I give you one? Sure. I'll have to think about that for a little bit. <laughs> can I give you one? Yeah. Uh, funny. What was yours? Well, the ones you, you can't repeat any of? Well, my, my real name's Randall. 
So I guess Randy is was you know that's all. That's not a nickname. Kind of. It's like I know Johnny's real name is John, but his nickname. It's actually not. Our, our engineer Johnny Story. It's actually Johnny on his birth certificate. So now I had a friend in. Uh, well, I had a couple of friends, but one in particular whose name was um, John Only Greer. His middle name was Only. His Only. It was John Only. There was no John Billy or John David. It was John Only. Yeah, that's his, Which only, I thought was kind that's of his only middle name. Yeah, so. that, that's the only name. All right, John well, we, Only. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us for podcast number 23 of Reflections from WT, the heart and soul of the Texas Panhandle. We are looking forward to talking to you again next time.